welcome to Unbossed. Baby, if that intro don't get you excited, I do not know what will. But I got some somebody here that come will come in close to that intro. And that is the one and only Jank is in the house, the CEO, founder of TYT, baby. He's in the house. Jank, how you doing today? Uh, I'm A, awesome. B, super excited because it's the first episode of Unboss with Nina Turner on the TYT network. I love it. Can't wait for it. In fact, I'm literally here for it. Literally here for <laughs> it. Yes, I'm pretty excited too. And I hope everybody that's out there that they're excited as well. Look, phone a friend or a friend of me. We'll take them all. Tell them to go ahead, go to YouTube.unboss/tyt, baby. Tell them to do that. Do it right now. Bring the family. All right, Jink, we're gonna get into our first story. It is about Brittany Griner, and unfortunately, she is still not free. So Brittany Griner is still not free, and that is entirely unacceptable. We know that there have been mass calls for her release. She is still in Russia right now. We gotta do something about that. And because some in the mainstream may have forgotten about her, we want you to know here at TYT, we have not forgotten about the plight of Brittany Griner. Brittany is an American basketball star. Many of you probably know that. And she is facing nine years in prison in Russia because she was caught with a small amount of cannabis oil. She was playing in Russia because basketball players, women basketball players, let me say that, women basketball players do not make enough money. And they especially are nowhere close to what their male counterparts make. So female basketball players like Brittany, they go abroad to play. And that is why, the major reason why she was in Russia. So let's put up this headline, shall we? Brittany Griner's release, not a priority for Russia, the Kremlin. Kremlin officials says, well, she should be a priority for us. So it's been nine months since she's been there. And if Russia won't, won't make her, does not want to make her freedom a priority, we need to do that right here in the good old USA. And Brittany is in dire straits. There have been many reports, both from her wife and also from her attorney, about the situation that she is in. Jenk, this is a gut-wrenching story right here, and I am certainly committed on Unbossed, and I know TYT is too, to not letting this leave folks the front of their minds. Because so much is happening, sometimes we forget, but we cannot forget about Brittany. Right, so now this is a complicated issue, unfortunately, because it's hard for the US to do more. You know, We have to number one, explain who's the, primary culprit, which is Vladimir Putin. They, they're basically holding her hostage. Uh, I mean, a little bit of what, marijuana, like oil or massages? What I mean, what are we talking about here? This is total nonsense, this is garbage, okay? They just kidnapped her. So first of all, um, you should be aware, if you're gonna go to Russia, they might kidnap you. They, they have a tyrant in charge. So. Honestly, all tourism to Russia should stop immediately. Who would be insane enough to risk getting kidnapped? I mean, this is a trumped up charge. It's a massage oil or something. Who cares? Who cares? They don't actually care. Putin doesn't care. Russia doesn't care. They're obviously lying. And I thought one of the things they were trying to do was to do a trade, Nina, because 
and we did offer that trade. And that's what puts us in a really difficult spot. We were gonna trade Griner and Paul Whelan, a, a former Marine um, who's in uh, jail in Russia for 16 years. They're accusing him of espionage. Who knows if anything the Russian government says is true, right? And we were gonna exchange them for Victor Bout. And he's his nickname is the Merchant of Death. Yes. And and Russia said no, which I was stunned by because I thought for sure Putin would want the Merchant of Death back on his side. So that puts us in an incredibly difficult position. What do we do when the other side is being absolutely obstinate? Yeah, this is incredibly sad, and especially for her family. You know, her wife has been interviewed on TV several times. Her attorney. So I want to draw our viewers attention to some of what her attorney is saying that she's going through right now. So Ms. Griner is allotted outside once a day. She's only allowed to go outside once a day during which she walks for an hour in a small courtyard at a penal colony outside of Moscow where she was detained by after being in court. They convicted her on that as Jink laid out, it is really oil, but not really, it is just cannabis oil. She has not been in good conditions as I could sometimes find her. And that is Ms. Griner's attorney letting us know what type of state Brittany is in right now. She spends the rest of her time in a small cell. So she's only outside for a very small amount of time, her attorney says. She's in that cell with two cellmates sitting and sleeping on a specially elongated bed to accommodate her six foot nine inch frame. And so there is a hearing about the appeal and is scheduled for October 24th. And we will have our eyes all on this. October 24th is not that far away, but if you are Brittany Griner, it cannot get here soon enough. And we do not know exactly what will happen once that hearing takes place. Her attorney also stated that she is not yet absolutely convinced, and this breaks my heart, that America will be able to take her home. She is very worried about the price, what the price of that will be. And she is afraid that she will have to serve the whole sentence here in Russia. Oh my God, I really hope that that is not the case. And Jane, based on what you just said earlier, um, this is shaping up to be a very tenuous and difficult situation for Brittany. Yeah, honestly, there's a lot of tyrannical governments that I, I never would ever consider going to their country. And, and unfortunately, uh, it breaks all of our hearts, but Russia is now one of those countries. And so, uh, it, look, even if you believe that they were doing this straight out, which you'd have to be nuts to think that, uh, you're gonna go to a country, she wasn't selling, she wasn't distributing, she wasn't doing anything. Uh, she had a tiny amount of cannabis oil, right? So you're gonna go to a country that'll put you in prison for nine years in a, in a prison labor camp for having cannabis, uh, Massage oil? Are you that's who would go to that country? So now it comes back to us. So what can we do here in America? Because we can't control Putin. Well, we're out of our top option. I mean, we don't have two merchants of death. We only had one that we had captured. He's a weapons dealer, and he's a horrible, horrific weapons dealer that Putin loves. And so you kind of maxed out on what you could trade for here. We we literally don't have a second one of these odious characters that Putin. Uh, treasures, right? So, long term, I know this is not the answer for Brittany, 
we should end our war on drugs because our war on drugs is the maniacal stupid thing that spread all across the world because Nixon wanted to fight liberals and black people and in his own administration admitted that later. So this is one of the horrible results that continue to cascade throughout the world of our war on drugs. And then finally, look, I know that we're going after Russia in a thousand ways. But one of the things that if I was in the Biden administration, I would do is really try to pulverize their tourism industry. And just as a way of getting leverage so that they'll let her go and tell the whole world, maybe even run ads across the world. If you go to Russia, they'll kidnap you and put you in a labor camp. Don't even think about it. And if you do enough damage monetarily, then you might finally get their attention. That's exactly it. Money definitely talks for sure. And we also know, Jink, that former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson has been doing his part as a private negotiator to try to help bring Brittany home. So let's help, let's hope that he and others who are working on this, and Paul as well, absolutely, are successful. But I love your ideas. I know the White House is watching right now, Jink. They're taking copious notes about those recommendations you just gave them. Well, no problem. I got a lot more where that came from, but they might not like the economic and political ones I've got coming up later in the show. <laughs> I love it. Oh, on to our next. So, America is the number one place for billionaires. Yep, you heard me right. The number one place, baby, for billionaires. So, there are over 2,000, 2,668 to be exact. Billionaires across the globe, not millionaires, no, billionaires with a B, and with the fortunes that run 10 digits long. And these fortunes exist in all nations, but guess where the good old USA ranks? Oh, yeah, not number one in healthcare, not number one in helping workers. No, not those things, but baby, we are number one for the ultra, 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 ultra. How many ultras can I get in before the show ends? Ultra, ultra wealthy. Yep, you heard it. And this is sickening. And it really is. Most people cannot even comprehend this type of money that we're talking about. But it's not just about money, baby. This is about unfettered greed. That is what this is, and it is as immoral as hell. So, first, 53% of the global deep pockets worth at least a hundred million dollars called the United States home. Let's put them up. Let's put this up. I want all the world to see the United States 730. Jake, we are at the top of that list. China, 607. India, 166. Germany, 134. And Russia, 83. And why does the US dominate in the ranks of the super rich? I'm glad you asked that question because we're going to answer it right here. CEO compensation. The Economic Policy Institute reported earlier this week that corporate chiefs at the 350 top American firms that trade on the stock market last year realized an average of 27.8 million in compensation. Now we might as well go ahead and say 28 and round that thing up. And an 11.1% increase over their previous year's pay and a record 399 times more and the take home pay of the typical worker. You heard me right, 399 times more. We might as well round that one up too, 400 times more 
than the average workers take home pay right here in the United States of America. Now back in 1965, top US CEOs averaged just 20 times more than the typical worker. Now spoiler alert, that was awful. But what is happening right now is even worse. So overall US CEO compensation has increased 1,460%. Since 1978, adjusting for inflation, the pay increase for the typical US worker over the same time span, just 18%. Jink, this is, I don't know how many adjectives I can come up with that doesn't have cursing in them <laughs> to describe this situation. Cussing, cussing, we call it cussing from where I'm from. But yeah, this is sick name. As yeah. So um, there's a reason for this. and and. There's also the question of what can we do about it? So we can do some actions now that go to soften the blow a little bit, even things out, not have so much wealth inequality. We can do a windfall profits tax, we can do a wealth tax. There's so many different ways that we can address this today. Now, unfortunately, the Democratic Party doesn't really have an interest in that. Every once in a while they say they do, but they never come anywhere near close to passing it because they're filled to the room with the same kind of corporate executive donors. The Republican Party loves this fact. They were set up to serve the rich. They were set up to be the main you know, guard, the king's guard, if you will, of corporate rule. And so they love the fact that you're being abused. And remember, it is abuse. It used to be 20 to one for CEOs uh, to the average worker, as Nina just told you. Now it's 400 to one. There's a reason for that. It's not an accident. It doesn't happen naturally. And by the way, I'm telling you this as a CEO. Okay, so I've got experience in like, really, are we worth that much? No. Okay, it's not to say that the CEOs aren't worth a lot. And 20 times the average worker is a lot. When it was 60 to one. You know, in 1989, that was a lot, right? 401 is crazy. So the reason for that, guys, is because they pass laws to allow that to happen. It it doesn't happen in in normal course of events because it it's not true in other countries. It's not at all true in other countries. But once we allowed corporate executives to donate to politicians, they set up a vicious circle where they donated, and then the politicians rigged the rules on their behalf. Which then got them a lot more money, which they then donated a small portion of back to the politicians. And then they would read the rules again. And it went on and on and on until everything was to their advantage and nothing was to our advantage. And that's why you're seeing the enormous inequality now. It's not an accident, it was paid for by these same corporate executives. That's exactly right, Jink. This is not by accident, it is on purpose. And the owner donors control. They are in full control of what type of policies are implemented in this country, including this. Citizens United, for one, is one of the problems that we face in this country. These things can be changed. They're done on purpose. We can undo them on purpose, and the people are going to have to rise up to make that kind of demand. Let's, we do have a chart that shows that the gap in income between upper income and middle and lower income households is rising. No surprise there. And the share held by middle class people by the middle, it is actually falling. It is unbelievable. And to me, we really don't have a middle class. I know people call themselves middle class. I say the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class because the middle class is trying so hard to hold on 
And this chart shows very clearly what is happening in this country. The rich get richer and the poor continue to get more poor. And that is not the way that it should be. And the richest person in the entire world, we're not excited to show his face, but here it is. One of your best friends, Jink, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Elon Musk. Look, so he's got a ton of money, and he, to be fair to him, he did quote unquote earn a lot of it, right? So there's some folks who just inherited it, and then they pretend that they have a lot of merit. Get get out of here, man! Your great grandfather made that money. You ain't got no merit, okay? By the way, Trump is one of those guys. He inherited 413 million dollars from his dad, and then he lost it all because he's an idiot, right? And then everybody treated him like he was rich, and because he earned it, no, he didn't earn it at all. It was literally handed to him. He's a natural born schmuck. Now to be fair, Elon Musk was also born with an emerald mine. So <laughs> I, I, Nina, I don't know if you got an emerald mine tucked away somewhere or your uh, mama or grandma had it or I no, mine certainly didn't. No emerald mines, no <laughs> sugar daddies, no sugar mamas, no sugar anybody. And I tell you, we all are among the working poor unless you got a sugar daddy, sugar mama or emerald mine somewhere. We are all, and some of us are, you know, at the top within that working class. Some in the barely in the middle, and some in but very poor. But all of us, each and every one of us, the overwhelming majority of us, I should say, have to work for a living, and so we have to have that kind of solidarity. Let's put up the graph that shows the other folks that are in his club. Jink, a whole bunch of these fellas are right there with him. But we have Bezos and Bernard, not that Bernard. Not the Bernard, but another Bernard <laughs> is in that list. We got Bill Gates. So we got Bezos at one point, or excuse me, $171 billion. Bernard at $158 billion. Bill, as in the Gates, $129 billion. Warren at $118 billion. And there's Larry bringing it in at number six. At $111 billion. There are many, many more, but that would take up all of the show. These are the people who are in the upper echelons of that ultra, 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 ultra. How many times can I say ultra during the show? Wealthy class in the United States of America. And this is excessive, it is greedy, and it is absolutely immoral. But meanwhile, Let's juxtaposition this to something. Amazon's most typical warehouse worker took home $31,705 last year. I don't know about you, I do think that the man could afford to give them a raise, better work conditions and better benefits. Yeah, guys, this isn't about being bitter about the ultra wealthy. Look, if we had some sort of parity and fair rules, and economic opportunity for all of us, good, let them have it, who cares? What do I care, right? But we don't have any of that. So to give you a sense of it, I'm gonna go back to one of the numbers that Nina read for you guys. And I wanna give you one extra piece of context. And then I'm gonna give you the most stunning number. The extra context is productivity is sky high in America. And it has been for a long time. Since the 1930s, productivity has gone up straight like this. It's been fantastic. So it's productivity of the American worker and on all the companies, including the executives, et cetera, has skyrocketed since 1978. As she told you, our wages have gone up just 18%. That's minuscule, minuscule. Whereas the CEO wages have gone up 1,460%. Wait, why did theirs skyrocket 
and are stagnated because they set the rules. So from then on, no pro-union law almost ever passed at the national level or frankly at the local level. And so that kept your wages down. The minimum wage is still at $7.25 and hasn't been raised in well over a decade, almost a decade and a half. So your wages are artificially suppressed while their wages go through the roof. And they've actually gotten, there's also another part of this which is basically corporatism where they've captured their own companies. And and the executives I think are actually taking from the shareholders too. So no one is winning out of this equation. But now the truly stunning number. So in America, we have acquired wealth. If you look at it on average, if you take the rich along with the rest of us, the our average wealth for a family in America is stunningly high. It's $579,000, actually it's per adult, not even per family, okay? That's a giant number. So France is another wealthy country, but we uh, overshadow them by a lot. Their uh, wealth per adult is $322,000, still a great number, right? But But a little bit, more than half, close to half of our number, right? So it sounds like, oh, we're richer in America, right? No, actually we're not. It depends on what you mean by we. So because we have so much ultra wealthy folks in this country, it brings up the average. But if you do the median, which is to say the average American, do you know that the average American, this is wealth, not income, has only $90,000 in wealth, whereas the average French citizen has 140,000. They have $50,000 more per year in France. And by the way, with all the taxing and all the things that, and all the social welfare state that they have, that the Republicans here complain about nonstop. No, the average person in France has a lot more wealth than the average person in America. Why? Because they don't have the money in politics problem that we have. We legalize bribery. The minute you legalize bribery, you're screwed. The rich are gonna buy the entire government. And that's exactly what happened here in America. And that's why you're seeing these results. There it is, and we can do something about it, Jenkins. You just laid out. We need to elect officials, put people in office who will not be bought off by the owner donors, so that we can get the rules of engagement changed. And I'm glad you went for the medium. Dr. Robert Rice talks about that a lot. That we cannot just do the average. He always tells a story that the average height between him and Shaquille O'Neal is about six. Six feet, one inch. So you can't do the average, you gotta do the medium. That's half at the top and half at the bottom. That gives us a better picture of what is actually happening in the United States of America when it comes to the gap, the gulf, if you will, between the ultra, put 100 more ultras on that, wealthy and the rest of us. We have got to do something about it. This is untenable and it is immoral. You know what? It's time for our first break. We will be right back. Don't you go anywhere. Let's read some viewer comments, shall we? I was so excited about this. But before, before we get to the viewer comments, let me just say this. Just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody for joining the premiere of Unbossed. This could not be the tremendous moment and day that it is without people just like you. So we want you to hit that like button, hit subscribe, get some friends and some frenemies to do exactly the same thing. We need to get everybody watching Unbossed. So here we go, a TYT members, hold on Dragon. So excited about Nina Turner, it's my birthday today. So she has wonderful timing. Well, happy birthday, hold on, Dragon. I like that name, Jake. Hold on, Dragon. That's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. On Twitch, we have 
the IT Dragon subscribed for her 23rd month. Thank you, IT Dragon. Saying 23 months and I get to celebrate Senator Nina's first show. Congrats and thank you, TYT, for this great news. Well, thank you so much for being such a supporter. And in our super chat, Robin says, yay, Senator Nina and Jink, love you both. Senator, you are a champion for the ignored. Thank you. Well, thank you and thank you all for your support of TYT. We could not do any of this without each and every one of you. So on to the real Bernard, <laughs> and that is Senator Bernard Sanders. The great Senator from the state of Vermont, he voiced his opinions loudly and clearly in a recent op-ed for The Guardian. He is calling on Democrats to expose the Republicans for their anti-worker views. Yes, let's do that. So here we go, here's a headline from The Guardian. Uh, Democrats shouldn't focus only on abortion in the midterm, that's a mistake. America has long faced structural economic crises. Democrats must win on the economy and present a pro-worker agenda. I could not agree more with the Senator. And he pointed that out very strongly, he continues to do that. He has been doing that for a very long time. But this is especially important in this moment when inflation and the pandemic barreling down on the people of this, well, of the world. But we're talking about the United States right now. So he states in his op-ed, in my view, while a while the abortion issue must remain on the front burner, it would be political malpractice for Democrats to ignore the state of the economy and allow Republicans his inner distortions to go unanswered. Now is the time for Democrats to take the fight to reactionary Republican Party and expose their anti-worker views on the most important issues facing ordinary Americans. Say that one more time, Senator, you are right on that. And on low wages, he calls them what they are. Here's what the Senator had to say about that. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and millions work for starvation wages. We remain the only major country on earth not to guarantee time off for moms who have babies or need to take care of their sick children. Is there one Republican who supports at least 12 weeks of pay? family and medical leave. If there is any Republican, would you please stand up and be accounted for? Because the last time I checked, Jink, there were poor Republicans as well as poor Democrats and libertarians, no party. Um, just flat out poor people all over this country without regard for political affiliation. And here we have the Republican Party doing what they do best. And that is absolutely nothing to support the people who are in need in these United States of America. Yeah, so uh, you're of course right, Bernie Sanders uh, nailed it here. He, he's, if they would take his advice, uh, they would do far, far better in the elections. But the problem is that they not just ignoring his advice, not Penn, and that's the Democratic Party. But they ignored his advice two years ago when they got started with this term. That leaves them in a very vulnerable spot. So first, let me explain why Bernie's right. The Republicans have offered this for the economy, nothing, zero. And I'm not doing hyperbole or political attack. I'm just telling you a fact. They've literally offered nothing to fix the economy. So they say, for example, their one proposal is let oil companies make more money. Okay, 
So we drill more in America, great, then can we keep the oil in America? So then we'll have more supply and that'll lower our costs in America? No, no, they should be allowed to sell it to China and Europe and everywhere in the world. Well, then how does that help us? It doesn't, it helps my oil executive donors. Okay, then be honest about it. You don't offer anything for the economy. And by the way, that's their only proposal. They don't even have any other proposal. They don't have anything. They're so easy to beat. So for example, on the issue that Nina just mentioned, on paid family leave polls at over 80% in the country. Democrats, if you can't pass something that polls at over 80%, what's wrong with you? But Republicans, you know, with Republican voters, your own voters, it polls at over 70% with just Republicans. So Republican voters, you need to understand that your politicians say, even though over 70% of you want this, we're not gonna give it to you. There's not a single Republican senator that voted for it. And there's not a single Republican senator that'll ever vote for it. They're monsters. They don't help the economy, they ruin the economy, right? Now, having said that, how many times have you heard that from Democrats? Almost never. Why don't you make your own case? Well, of course, you know, as you know, one of the issues is that they didn't pass any of the goddamn laws. We gave them all of these incredibly popular progressive proposals like paid family leave. And they bumbled it away. Why? Because they're not honest. They're just serving their donors. If they weren't unshackled from their donors, they could rip into the Republicans and easily not only win this election, they could landslide them. Here's look, child tax credit, even more popular than paid family leave. All of these pop, but what happened? They ran it for a year and then they cut it off. So now people are blaming the Democrats for cutting it off, but it was a Democratic idea because they won't put it back in because their donors would be furious with them. And finally, $15 minimum wage. So every Republican voted against higher wages, but unfortunately, so did eight Democratic senators. So if the Democrats had voted the right way, right now they could be pummeling the Republicans. They could be saying, hey, you know what? We're for higher wages. Your inflation's sky high, your costs are high. At least you should have higher wages to pay for all of that, right? And it would force the Republicans to be in a position to say, no, you should have lower wages. And then you win easily, but Democrats won't do that because a lot of them are just as corrupt as the Republicans. There it is, I mean, they're complicit as well. And that $15 an hour minimum wage increase or increasing the federal minimum wage Inc. was a slam dunk. Did not, absolutely did not get that done because unfortunately both parties suffer from the same disease. And that is control of the owner donors. That is what the upper echelons of the both parties have in common, selling out the everyday working class people of this country from all backgrounds. I swear, Jink, I feel like some of them will sell out their own mama for these owner donors. I mean, that's exactly what it's looking like right now. That is no exaggeration. And I double dare somebody, I want them to prove me wrong, especially the Republicans, please prove me wrong on this. Senator Sanders went on to say that if Democrats don't fight back and call out Republicans, they face being in the minority in both houses next year. I mean, that is really what he was intimating. This is really what this op-ed is about. And there's some polling and we know that polling, Jink, is just a snapshot in time. But there's polling out right now that's showing that independent voters are, are going the other way on this, unbelievably. I cannot believe that this is happening given the recalcitrance of the Republican Party, but it is happening. But it doesn't have to stay this way. The Democrats can come out and they need to come out swinging hard if they want to maintain control and then do something with the power once they have it. Because it's not like having power and squandering it. 
you know, you got to come hard. So he also spit straight fire, straight facts about our broken health care system. And we're gonna end on, on this right here. We're gonna come back to this. But while we continue to pay by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs, three of the largest pharmaceutical companies in America, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AbbVie, V, increased their profits by over 90% last year to 54 billion dollars that is with a B. And a lot of that medication, you all, a lot of those pharmaceuticals come from the research that our tax dollars pay for. So again, just because this is the conundrum today does not have does not mean that this has to be the reality tomorrow. We must stand up and fight. We must push these elected officials to serve the interests of the overwhelming majority of people in this country. The Democrats have been given the opportunity, Jing, to have a slam dunk on these Republicans. And they got to use it. Yeah, but uh, the jury's in, uh, and I hate to say this. I was just got interviewed a couple of days ago, uh, then the last week, and I said, look, I still don't know who's going to win the uh, elections, especially in the House. Uh, but now um, I'm worried that I do know. Uh, the latest numbers are 49-45, and you might think, well, that's kind of close. At the national level, that's a big swing. The Democrats were up by one a month ago, now they're down by four. An election is a couple of weeks away. So, the, and the Democratic Party is not going to listen to Bernie. They never listen to Bernie. And there's no hint that they're going to listen to Bernie. And so they're going to run straight into that brick wall. Uh, and then when they do, guess who they're going to blame? They're going to blame people like Bernie and you, Nina, and me. Uh, and of course, that leads us to the last culprit, which is always the case mainstream media. So did mainstream media ever tell anybody that the Republicans have no proposals to improve the economy? That the Republicans have never had any proposals? Did they tell the voters, hey, did you know that there were every Republican politician is opposed to something that you want by very large margins? The Republican voters want by very large margins? Never. It's also, by the way, true of federal background checks on guns. Like nearly 90% of Republicans want that. I know, doesn't that sound like a shocking fact? But the media never actually tells you the polls that matter on this stuff because they're too busy kissing Republican ass and making everything 50-50. And then when people like me and Nina try to fight back against Republicans, they say, "Oh no, you guys are not Democrat enough." What? What? Do you, no, we're trying to push Democratic Party to be more Democratic. And they're like, "Nope, nope, you sound like Republicans. Are you insane? I just told you the Republicans are useless and they're they're destroying this country." And the media is like, "Nope, nope, nope." We're not gonna tell the people the truth at all. And because part of the reason is they're part of corporate rule. So what? why doesn't the corporate media and corporate Democrats fight back against these monstrous Republicans? Because they don't want you to have single payer healthcare. Their advertisers are all drug companies and they, and they don't want you to negotiate drug prices. That's why they pass the Inflation Reduction Act had plenty of good things in it. But negotiating drug prices was not one of them. That part of the bill was a total and utter fraud. It was fraudulent. They're not reducing a single drug price until 2026. And then it only applies to 10 drugs out of thousands and thousands of drugs. Yeah, so they're so never going to do the right thing. And the media is never going to tell the truth because they're because their agenda is not the truth. It's not news. Their agenda is corporate rule. So that's why we're in the situation that we're in. And by the way, the cherry on top is that honestly, when you look at the leaders, a lot of the people who are just simple politicians and simple reporters and anchors, a lot of them don't even know it. But at the very top, they know it. They don't mind if Democrats lose because that gives them an excuse to not do anything for two years. 
and the donors love the status quo. So if the Republicans capture the House and the Democrats keep the rest, the donors will be in hog heaven. Everything will stop and the workers will get no help at all. The average American will get no help at all. And the donors and these two corrupt political parties and this corrupt mainstream media will be ecstatic. Oh, God forbid, God forbid it all, please. All right, people power, we gotta keep fighting. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, so glad you're still here. Now the Jackson water crisis rages on and we are helping residents get clean water. So we at TYT, we need you to go to tyt.com slash relief. That's tyt.com slash relief to make contributions to the National Clean Water Collective for clean water and testing kits. Will you do that for us? Let's help our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Jackson, Mississippi. On to a comment or two. We got Mickey C and Mickey shared an image and the image reads, Nina, welcome, all caps and exclamation point. You've always been a part of the family, now it is official. Thank you, Mickey C so much. And then we have on Twitch, Music Man, Progressive 37, I Like C, Luminous Dark, and Conrad Dax. Also thanks to Emotional Allergies for subscribing and saying, save this for Nina today. This intro is amazing. Thank you all so much again for your support of TYT. Oh, the neoliberals, I sigh. So Paul Begala once attacked voters in his party for insufficiently towing the party line, which makes us go WTF neoliberals. Watch this. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. The fact is, Joe Biden performed worse in the early states where voters saw a lot of him, and that's just a fact. Iowa, I, why, New why is that? Why is that? Look, I spoke before or after Joe Biden half a dozen times. And the fact is, when he came off that stage, you know what people were not saying? That guy has the energy, the vigor, the, the like the. And the then all of a sudden president. he developed it. You're missing the most important thing, Andrew. The early states are full of white liberals. They don't like Joe. Then when we moved to real Democrats, African Americans in the South, they loved him and he steamrolled everybody. Because in my party, the heart and soul of the party are people of color. Not painting ass white liberals on Twitter. Ah, yes, the real Democrats, black people. So glad he let me know that. So what got Mr. Begala to this point? Take a look at how things started. Fact is no incumbent president who's had a significant primary challenge has won re-election. Right. Everyone knows that. So Why every Joe establishment Democrat will say, look, and they'll be leaned on. They'll say, cannot run against Joe. So you know who might run if they actually have an open process? People are already outside of the establishment. Someone like Nina Turner, someone like Marianne Williamson. And mm -hmm. if you have a, a just a Nina Turner versus Joe Biden, Nina Turner ends up gathering a significant amount of support just ideologically. And the last thing the DNC is going to want is for Joe Biden to have to debate Nina Turner six times. Uh, so they'll, they'll shut that thing down. They will shut that thing down, Jink. I'm gonna let this is all you. <laughs> Might be all you. Uh, so, all right. Uh, first off, uh, I didn't know you were a white liberal on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he, says 
<laughs> he says those are the only folks complaining, and that uh, you know uh, that those are the only folks who are not on board for the Democratic establishment. Uh, I didn't know I was a white liberal on Twitter. I, these are all things that I'm finding out from Paul Begala. I appreciate it. Um, but Nina, he's going to the uh, heart of the issue here. Uh, they know that if they can't protect the African American voting bloc, voting mainly for the establishment, and if we're being honest, that is an issue, right? Um, then his side of the party is toast, obliterated, right? And so what they're doing in furtherance of that is no, Democrats, black Democrats in specific, must vote for the corporate candidate, the establishment candidate, the conservative Democrat, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, whoever else Paul Begala picks. And and that quote by Joe Biden that we ran there is very telling. He's saying, if you're not voting for me, you're not black. Yeah. That, that has been the message of the Democratic establishment now for decades. Because they're scared to death that African Americans will find out in mass about progressives. And if they do, this thing is over. They have no chance of winning inside Democratic primaries. Yeah, thank Andrew Yang for just, you know, whether it was my name, you know, he named Marianne Williamson, but just naming progressives who are willing to, to stand up and fight. So Andrew there, Jenk, was just basically letting them know the math ain't mathing on this. Um, it does sound a lot like the message to the African American community, unfortunately, is just obey or shut up and dribble. And so the African American community is going to have to recognize its power. We're gonna have to recognize our power and make some different demands. Uh, this, you know, to be this predictable is very troubling uh, to me. Uh, Congressman Rokana <clears throat> chimed in this way. Yeah, I don't get oh, it. Yeah, I don't know, but we, we yeah. got it there. We, we did. And then we have uh, one last roll of tape. She was Bernie's co-chair. She's a former state senator from Ohio. We, we yes, all know we her. Know her Bernie won nine, count them nine. You were there, Andrew. Nine contests. Joe won 44. And I think Bernie baby has more support than Nina. So bring it on. What, what, what the hell are you worried about? I mean, I mean, you're not a Democrat anymore, but I, I am. And as a guy who loves Joe Biden, that's fine. He, he'll steamroll any potential Look, Paul, Democrat I, I and then go on and beat Trump. Bring it on. Jake, I'm, I'm gonna hand this over to you as much as I am chopping at the bit here, because I want you to explain to people what actually happened in the 2020 primary. Yeah, so he says, well, only nine out of 44 voted for Bernie. Now he knows how deeply misleading that is. He's basically lying to the audience because the after Super Tuesday, the election was basically over. So the rest of the state's votes were irrelevant. He knows that, he knows that, but he puts that, out in a deeply misleading way. Now, in reality, when the election was super tight in the beginning, it was the first three states that voted for Bernie Sanders. He won all three states, and that's when the establishment, people like Paul Begala, panicked, and they called in the big guns, Barack Obama and and others, Jim Clyburn, obviously, and they had everyone kiss the ring of Joe Biden. So Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, everybody, Kamala Harris had already dropped out, but. A lot, all of those establishment candidates bent a knee and said, okay, Joe Biden is gonna be our man. Because whatever we do, it cannot be Bernie Sanders. Because if it's Bernie Sanders, he's actually give, going to give people higher wages and free health care. And our donors will be furious. So they all came in. And but to me, all those guys piling on was actually secondary. The primary issue was mainstream media. So 
the, the Chris Matthews, the Chuck Todd's all coming out and saying, oh my God, if Bernie Sanders wins, people are gonna get executed in Central Park. They called Bernie Sanders supporters brown shirts, even though Bernie had lost a huge percentage of his family in the Holocaust. They said the most loathsome things because corporate rule was actually being challenged. Bernie was on the precipice of winning when they all spent literally hundreds of millions of dollars in free media piling on and trying to convince voters, whatever you do, do not think that you have an option. And the biggest lie that corporate media tells is that that democratic voters do not have a choice. Now that's half true, that's why it's easy to mislead people. In a general election, the Republicans are monsters and you'd be nuts to vote for a Republican, right? But they say it in the primaries, but wait a minute, in the primaries, whether it's African Americans, Latinos, or anyone else that are Democratic voters, they have they have two choices. They can go with the corporate wing of the party that is currently in control. That, by the way, and we'll get to what they delivered or didn't deliver for you in a second. Or you can go with progressives. Progressive promise you higher wages, more health care. They care about the economy. They care about all these things that matter in your life. But on top of that, they would actually fight for you. So what did okay. the establishment do? They said. Oh, we're gonna give you voting rights. Of course, of course, we're gonna give you voting rights. Did they deliver voting rights? Nothing, no, nothing, right? right? Exactly. And then they turn around and go, progressives are not democratic enough. What do you, I mean, corporate media, you goddamn liars, okay? We wanted voting rights. Progressives, if a progressive, if Bernie Sanders had won, there's no question that we would have voting rights for everyone in the country. We would definitely have $15 minimum wage. We would have higher wages for everyone. But the, God, but the liars in mainstream media, corporate media, and the liars among the corporate Democrats like Paul Begala uh, have uh, told that lie a thousand times on and CNN will, and MSNBC. And, and they will continue to tell that lie. And by the way, all of the things that the progressives are fighting for is actually what the majority of the American people want, no matter how they identify politically. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna stay on top of this. Yes, we are. So we have. I would love to know where Tommy Lauren finds the audacity. Take a look. You guys haven't checked out this chick, Nina Turner's Twitter feed. Well, I suggest you give it a whirl for entertainment value alone, because she has got to be one of the most logically comatose woke people to ever enter Twitter. Chick. Well, it's Senator Chick to you, baby. Put some respect on my name whenever you use it. Why is she coming for me? Well, let's play the extended clip, shall we? Yet again, way to drive home my point, Nina. American taxpayers should foot the bill for people like you who are supposedly educated, but yet don't understand how the federal government obtains that money. I'll let you phone a friend, Nina. Hi, it's Tommy, and the answer is the American taxpayer funds the government. The federal government pays for nothing. The federal government is broke. Taxpayers pay for it all. Well, let, let's educate this chick on this. So let's educate her. The average student loan. So she's raising all of this hell over the fact that I believe, and so many others, that the president should give student debt relief to everybody that has the debt out there. Because most of those people are among the poor and the working poor and the middle, barely middle class. Yeah, that's it. But let's educate this chick on what's really happening. The average student loan debt 
$1.75 trillion in total student loan debt, 28,000, almost 29,000 owed per borrower on average. And that's roughly $30,000 that is holding people back from doing some of the things that they want and need to do, like getting married or just you know simply surviving, just living life. Maybe they want to get married because hell, everybody don't want to get married. And the payments are not cheap. The average monthly student loan payment was about $300 before the White House instituted a repayment moratorium. Let's put up this graph so that chick can see it. Yeah, there it is. And because we live in a broken society, many students borrow to not only cover their tuition and fees, but also get cash to finance the cost of living while they are in school. Hello, I was one of those students trying to break, become a cycle breaker in my family and becoming a first generation college graduate. And by the way, I still hold that loan. I didn't see Tommy going off like this, Jink, when it was time to bail out Wall Street, none of that. Or the PPP loans that haven't been paid off, paid back. I that got forgiven. I didn't see her this animated, but when it comes to helping the everyday average person in this country, she has something to say. And not even smartly, I might add. Because she yeah. don't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, so uh the right wing is filled with fake populists. Uh so they'll use words like wokeism. No one knows what that means. If you ask them to define it. They don't know either. They're like, I don't know, gay people exist, I don't like it. And if you think that gay people exist, then you're woke. You should shut up about it, okay? You're woke. That's their sense of populism. Wait, 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 populism is supposed to be about economic matters. It's supposed to be about uplifting the average guy versus the elites. So to your point, Nina, when the federal government has told the Federal Reserve, it's okay, you could print trillions of dollars and hand it to the top banks in the in the country. Did Tommy yeah. Lauren go nuts? Did anyone in right wing media complain? Nope, no, know. no, no, as long as you're funneling trillions to the people who don't need it, who are the richest people in the world and who coincidentally, coincidentally happen to um, fund right wing media. Well, then they're okay with it. The fake yeah. populists are 100% okay with way more money going to the richest people in the world, right? But when it comes to giving you money, up? People's taxes, what taxes just went up because of the student debt relief that the president has done is the bare minimum, but at least he has done it up to $10,000, up to $20,000 for people who got the Pell Grant. If you make less than $125,000 a year, whose taxes just went up? I mean, she's a bold-faced liar like most of them are. And this full outrage is definitely driving me crazy. But don't worry, sweetie. Don't worry, even with the debt relief, we're still spending more on the military. That's what they care about the most. Yeah, so and, and there's a great irony of her calling anyone logically comatose. I mean, that describes the Republican Party perfectly. Okay, and look, the last thing is this. Um, my dad got a free education in Turkey, not here in America, in, in the 1960s. Now you could have said, oh my God, that's costing the Turkish taxpayers. And at the time, Turkey's very poor. What are you guys doing? That's crazy. No, you know what they were doing? They were investing into their economy. So that poor people like my dad could then go get a great college education. And he wound up becoming a mechanical engineer, starting his own company and creating hundreds of jobs in Turkey, which then uplifted the economy in Turkey. And what we're asking people to do is, can we believe in the American 
people as much as Turkey believed in the Turkish people in the 1960s. That's I right. mean, you want to talk about bare minimum, okay? Can we believe in our own people and give them an education so that they could flourish and create those jobs and improve our economy? And by the way, it's not just in Turkey. The same exact thing happened here after World War II with the GI Bill. But now they want to erase history and pretend it didn't happen. Student relieving student debt isn't just about those students. It's about making the economy bigger and stronger and fairer for everyone. And the Republicans don't want you to know that because they serve the rich. That is it, it's an investment in the people who can change the conditions, not only for themselves and their family, their community, but for this entire nation. Canceling all the student debt is the right thing to do. And speaking of the right thing to do, we wanna go to the jawbone. Wishbone, jawbone, and the backbone. Many of you have heard me tell this story about my grandmother, but today we're gonna talk about the jawbone, and that is having courage to lift your voice and speak a certain type of truth to power. And so for our premiere show, Let's highlight a quote from the one and only Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, a humanitarian and somebody who dared to fight against the status quo. She once said, America has the laws and the material resources it takes to ensure justice for all its people. What it lacks is heart and humanity. Well, amen to that. Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman to run for president in 1972, the first woman to seek the nomination from a major party. We owe her a great debt of gratitude and her spirit lives on and her slogan for that race in 1972, Jink, no surprise, unbought and unbought. Uh, I love it, she's one of the great political characters of American history. She was filled with incredible strength and energy. And if we could do just a small percentage of what she did, we'd all be in great shape. Ooh, amen to that. And that's what we aim to do right here on Boston on the TYT Network. I wanna thank you all for making this a fantastic premiere. Please come back and join us tomorrow. And above all, I definitely want you to keep the faith. But along with that faith, baby, keep the fight. Until tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.